Welcome to the Driving Dentistry Forward podcast, where successful dental pros and anyone who values the power of a smile can get an edge in the dynamic worlds of healthcare and business. Hosts Chuck Cohen and Rick Cohen speak with top influencers in the world of dentistry and explore essential tools, trends worth your time, and solutions that help you practice smarter. Hello and welcome. Mike Cataldo, you have been named one of the 32 most influential people in dentistry. And I'm Chuck Cohen from Benco Dental. I am here to congratulate you and learn a little bit more about who's been influential for you and what it feels like to be an influencer in dental. So welcome. Thank you very much, Chuck. Great Excellent. to be here. Thank you for the honor. My God, very exciting. Um, so Mike, looking over your bio, you had a pretty long technology background before you entered dentistry. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your journey, where you started, and how you ended up where you are today. All right. Well, I, I started my career, believe it or not, in telecom for a very little bit. Um, started in sales, and then pretty soon after, got into healthcare information systems. And somewhere along the way, I uh, decided I wanted to start my own company and had this idea of connecting doctors to their own patients over the internet. And I founded a company which was actually the first patient portal company ever. Okay. And uh, that was a great ride and sold that and, and kept going, did some other things. And, and um, somewhere along the line, somebody approached me with the idea for a dental laser company. And uh, it sounded like a good idea, you know, doing fillings without needles or drills. So um, that's the short version of how I ended up at, at Convergent Dental founding the company and um, getting it to where it is today. Sounds to me like you've been an entrepreneur for your entire career. What's it like to be an entrepreneur? Talk a little bit about that and how you feel like that be, you know, intersects with your ability or your desire to influence. Well, I mean, you know, what does it feel like to be an entrepreneur? I, I enjoy it. Uh, it it's, I, I'm a very creative person. Um, I, you know, as an entrepreneur, ultimately you, you end up being responsible, especially if you end up as the CEO, as, as you know, when you run a company, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, you end up being responsible for uh, everything, right? Yeah. Whether it's some, sometimes much to your chagrin, but um, I, uh, it's it's great. I mean, besides uh, you know all the challenges, getting to see your idea at first of all uh, become real, then get used, and then become you know an industry leading technology. I mean, it's like the patient portal, right? Everybody has patient portals today. And I'll never forget the first time I saw the transactions online going back and forth between patients and doctors. I'm like, people are actually using this? It, wow. you, what do you mean? It works, yeah. right? That's exciting. And, yeah. And then the same thing uh, with the laser, except in the laser, I was the first patient, <laughs> right? So, so it was like, okay, uh, let's see. And uh, when I had a big old composite filling taken out and we didn't know what to expect and it didn't hurt. And I was like, Oh my God, it works. Wow. And the dentist was like, Oh my God, it works. Mm -hmm. And and then of course, patient after patient. And now I don't know, I think we're 7 million patients in. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's great to see your idea actually work and then get used and, you know, taking away fear of the dentist. I mean, the, the stories are endless. So it's, it's even better when it, um, when people love it, right. And it makes a difference in their lives. 
that's that's the best part of being an entrepreneur is is when you you know take it all the way and whether it's the patients who whose lives are changed the dentists whose lives are changed or the employees who feel like they're doing something great i mean that's that's the positive side of being responsible for everything right talk a little bit about who you your big influencers were as you were growing up because all entrepreneurs have somebody that maybe they say wow this i want to be like this person talk a little bit about who are your influencers yeah, you know, you know um, of course, there's a few. I mean, everybody's, everybody says my dad. I mean, my, my dad was a big influence in, in, yeah, influencer in a way. He was a surgeon, um, and he was a very good surgeon, which meant he was a particularly bad business person. <laughs> he he had no no influence really at all when it came to business, except for one thing. I, I made a deal with him when I was a kid. I had I had fifteen. I had like fifteen houses. Who I, I cut their lawns, right? A, a big little you know landscaping business, and I needed to get around. And I made a deal with him that I, if I could borrow his car to drive my lawnmower on. I mean, I put the lawnmower in the trunk of his Chevy Caprice Classic. Okay? <laughs> he'd say, "If if you drive me to the hospital in the morning, then pick me up midday in the afternoon, and drive me to my office, and pick me up at the end of the day. You can have the car in between, but." You have to promise me one thing. He goes, what? He goes, don't soak people. I'm like, don't soak people. He goes, never overcharge. Really? Just, yeah, just charge a fair price and be done with it. Wow. So that was, I mean, there's a lot built into that statement, right? It's, it's, it's do the right thing, be fair, Never take undue advantage of a position of strength. You know, all those lessons came from that one little statement, right? Don't soak people. Um, so he was an influence in that way. Um, and then the other guy, believe it or not, so when I was in college, as you know, Chuck, I'm still a rower. I'm on the Charles River every morning. And I was a competitive rower, still a competitive rower. But um, when I when I was in college, you know, I was in the work study program. I had to pay a lot of my own way. And I worked in in the boat shop at the boathouse at Columbia University. That was my work study job. And there was a guy there named Jimmy O'Hara, who was a full time boatwright, the guy who fixes all the boats. So we used to, I mean, we used to fix. Back then, it was wooden racing shells, unlike today composite. And we used to, you know, patch these racing shells with sixteenth of an inch thick skins, and you know, fix that everything from. That to fixing motors on coaching launches to you, you name it. I mean, we used to we used to put the curve in these skins by cutting the piece of of this very thin plywood to a certain size. We'd go into the men's shower and bend bend the piece of wood and stick it into the slats in the radiator to keep a bend on it. <laughs> right, and then turn on all the showers to steam it and close wow. off all the things. So yep. anyway, the point of that little story is is in terms of being an entrepreneur just figuring out how to do stuff. I mean, just straight up innovation. Uh, you know, rowing is a, a never give up kind of sport. Um, a, a lot of the drive, a lot of the stick to a lot of creativity came from the sport, but particularly from Jimmy in the boathouse. He, he was a great guy. And he, he, you know, that's where I learned all the, um, the, the lessons that came back in um, entrepreneurship and, and creativity to, to kind of make things, new things that you'd think couldn't happen. And one guy told me, I'll tell you his story a little bit later. One guy told me early on the laser business that it couldn't happen, uh-huh. right? Who was that? But, but, well, Chuck, it was you. It was me, I know. <laughs> I was hoping you'd bring that up. Go ahead. It was, it, was, it was you. What, you want to tell that story? Go 
God. Oh, God. What a great story. So we have this mutual friend, Tom, in the, in the town of Hingham, Massachusetts. And as you know, we're both members of the Hingham Yacht Club, which is about yes. the, the non-yacht clubbiest yacht club ever, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, and this guy, Tom, says, oh, you got to meet my friend, Chuck. Chuck is a big deal in dentistry. That's what he said. Got to meet Chuck. And uh, you know, so it's early days. We hadn't even, I don't think we even built the first prototype of the product. And as you know, I, we're, we're all down there one day and Tom goes, oh, here's Chuck. You've got to meet him. So, of course, you know the story. I met you and said hello. And, hey, what are you doing? And, you know, like you get a million of these introductions a day. And, and I told you, I'm making this dental laser that's going to cut teeth without anesthesia, without a drill. And you looked at me like, you poor bastard. And you gave that <laughs> smile, right? That, that oh, very nice. Yep, I exactly. wish you luck. Uh-huh. And, um, of course, that's, that just added a little fuel to the fire, Chuck. It did indeed. And you, oh, we overcame that. Um, and uh, you have gone on to big success in spite of my initial uh, skepticism. Well, that's right. You know, <laughs> and it wouldn't be the first time I ran into a skeptic, it, by the way, who became a very good friend. Right. So, so uh, yeah, no, it was great. And of course, as I don't know if everybody on this podcast will know this, but Benko was the first company to take the leap and distribute Solea. So it was kind of, what do we call that? Poetic justice or I think it was, well, uh, irony in a Turn way. Around. Turn around is fair play. You could put a lot of words on it, but the answer yeah. is we came around, you were right. I was wrong. And now that's, Wait, could, you, could, could you repeat I that know. one more time? It's now a public setting. Uh, you were right. I was wrong. No, no, it's all good. And I was glad to be wrong. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about rowing as an influence because um, many people don't know this, but my son is a rower too, which is one thing. So I understand a little bit about rowing. What do you learn from rowing and how did it help shape you into the entrepreneur and the business person you are today? Yeah, so rowing, uh, it's not just from rowing. It was the fact that I took on rowing. So this, you know, I'd love to tell this story. If you can name any sport other than rowing, I guarantee you I've been cut from it. <laughs> I, 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 as you know, I'm a fairly big guy. I'm, I'm pretty strong uh, from rowing, but I couldn't do anything. Baseball, basketball, football, track, try them all. And um, finally, finally, uh, a friend of my brother's actually said to me, who was on the rowing team in my high school, said, you got to try this. It, it, it's it's a great sport. And I was scared to death to take it on because I heard rowers have to run to train. I didn't want to run. Um, but I did. For whatever reason, I took it on. And I, I took a leap of faith. He said, it'll hurt for two weeks and then you'll be fine. Um, so the first thing was taking on a challenge I didn't think I could do. Right. And just saying, I'll give myself a chance. I'll give this sport a chance. And it, 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 and, and, and it worked. Now, so when I say taking on a challenge, I didn't think I could do. I tried a lot of different things and failed at a lot of them. Right. All those sports. Entrepreneurship has a lot of trial and error, trial and error. And you, you, what I learned was you can't, you can't give up because of failure. Right. And you can't back away because it's hard. If you do either of those two things, you're, you're just not an entrepreneur, period. And then once I got into the sport and um, it turned out I was better than I thought I would be, uh, as you know, I had quite a rowing career. And, um, it, it, you know, it was that was the stick to It was like, oh, OK, give me a challenge. If it's hard, I'll get through it. Um, and I had to do that over and over and over again, whether it was rowing itself, whether it was learning the technique, whether it was competing for a seat in the boat, 
weightlifting, running stadiums. I mean, you name it, they all seem like impossible tasks. Uh, the things that we, I thought I couldn't do and I can't believe I ever did at this age. I don't know how I did it, but, but that was, you know, rowing is, a, is you've got to, you've got to just stick with it. And if you do, you find a way and it's the absolute same thing in entrepreneurship. Stick with it. So let's talk about influence and let's talk about your dental journey, right? So when did you enter the dental business? Is it about six or seven years ago? Believe it or not, Chuck, it was longer than that. It was 2011. Wow. All right. So we're coming up on a decade. You needed a lot of stick-to-it-us to get there. So you've really gone from startup, entrepreneur, not a lot of, uh, there's a lot of lasers out there, but yours is the one that seems to have worked the best, all Mm -hmm. the way to today, 7 million patients. How many units do you guys have out in the field? About 1,300. So there's 1,300 Solea units in the field. Talk about how it, you know, the stick to it and this is involved to become such an influencer and, inf- and what does influence mean to, mean to you and what kind of influence do you think you and your organization have had on dentistry? One, one is, as you know, lasers have a very sordid past, especially hard tissue lasers in dentistry. And um, the industry simply like you, when I met you at the art club, didn't, didn't believe it couldn't work. Yep. Um, so, you know, what's the influence? The, the influence, first of all, is, is that, you know, things that you don't think work can work, right? Lasers, I think, um, have, you know, been c- coming along, not just our laser for all tissue, but, you know, diodes have been, you know, gotten hot and cold and, and uh, you know, erbium lasers had their start in troubles. Um, but, you know, the influence is that what I hear more and more is, is that lasers are the future. That's what I hear people say. Lasers are the future. And um, everybody knows it at this point. It's just like probably like the early days of Invisalign when people said, yeah, it doesn't work. It's not good for your teeth. It's, you know, you can name it. You can name all those things. But the simple fact of the matter is that whole you know, segment of the industry has changed. It's not just orthodontists straightening teeth, it's general dentists. It's, it's, it's changed everything, right? Um, and so what I hear more, more, more and more is that lasers are the future, whether it's for hard tissue, whether it's for soft tissue surgeries. Uh, as you know, now we have this fantastic treatment for snoring that's pretty unbelievable with a 99% success rate in three minute treatment. Um, so, yeah, I think that's our biggest influence is, is this growing belief uh, that lasers are the future. So what, what, in, what influence does, la- does the Solea laser have on the dentists who buy it and add it to their practice? Well, it, it, that falls into a number of categories. One, um, and, it, and also a lot of it depends on what the dentist's individual goals are. Mm-hmm. So th- the first thing is by, uh, you know, taking taking anesthesia out of the equation, right? There, there's a lot, there are a lot of time saved, right? Just the, just taking the time to calm a patient down, inject them, wait for them to get numb, you know, being limited to one or two quadrants in a visit, all that, all that goes away when you take anesthesia out of the equation. So for the dentist, it, you know, obviously there's, there's a big efficiency gain. So that's one major impact on the practice. You can simply do more procedures per day when you take anesthesia out of the equation. Yep. The, the second thing is um, soft tissue surgeries. As you know, most general dentists don't do soft tissue surgeries, not many anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, 
pretty much all of ours do a significant number of surgeries. And it's, it's simple. It's simply because it makes those procedures easier to do. It puts them within reach and gets a dentist comfortable that they can do these things. So that's another big influence in dentist practice is that it, it, it enables them to do procedures that they couldn't do before. And, and of course, you know, the latest one is now snoring, opening up airways with a simple three minute treatment of the soft palate where the tissue, tissue tightens, doesn't vibrate as much and patients aren't snoring. It's, it's pretty amazing. So, you know, efficiency gains, new procedures. Um, Obviously that has a very positive impact on revenue that goes without saying. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is patient, patient experience. Mm -hmm. So uh, very important that patients, uh, you know, we hear over and over again from these patients, I'm not afraid to go to the dentist anymore. I don't have anxiety when I go to the dentist anymore. That's gigantic. And the other thing that that isn't spoken about as much, but I know is there because I hear it from time to time is dentists feel that their lives are better. When I say really? better, not because they're making more money, their lives are better because their patients aren't stressed out. They're not as stressed. They can, um, they're not running back and forth between operatories while they're waiting for the patients to get numb, doing this, that, and the other thing. They sit down with the patient, they go start to finish, they finish that job, they go on to the next one. It's a calmer life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm, you know, so I guess the big, the big things are efficiency, you know, revenue increase, patient comfort, and, and dentist comfort, you know, quality of life. Those are the, those, those are the big effects or influences on dental practice. Yeah. And I want to go and I want to go and push a little bit on the patient experience, because if I had to pick one way that you and your product and your company have really influenced dentistry, it's for the last century or so getting dating all the way back to before the air driven handpiece dentistry is viewed as very dangerous and very painful and patients would avoid the dentist. And today, thanks in large part because of Solea, that whole attitude that the general public has about dentistry has changed. That's right. It's absolutely true. And you know what you see it the most is with kids. Yeah. Um, kids, the pediatric dentists tell us all the time, it's the second visit with that child where you really see the effect of the laser. So typically the kids come in, they have an experience, you know, the old way, and they come in for the next one and they are kicking, screaming, scared to death. The kids who get treated with Solea, the second visit after Solea, they sit down and it's like, I'm okay. No big deal. And that's where you can really see it. Adults are better at hiding their fear than kids. Yeah. But adults, you know, pediatric dentists say kids are not small adults. That is a very true statement. But let me tell you the second half of that. Adults are just big kids. Yeah. They're just better at hiding their fear. Right. And so when we hear patients talk about it, they actually say the same thing. Like, wow, after that, I'm not afraid to come in. Yeah. Right. It's. That is the patient experience is significant. It Interesting. Is. If we're talking about how dentistry is viewed, like in the general public or in the movies, right? We think about um, the marathon man scene. We think right. about um, Steve Martin as the dentist in uh, um, uh, the the movie with the jungle plant, right? All the right. all this idea that the dentist right. is really something to be afraid of. And a big impact from Solea and from the work you've done is to change the perception, the very perception of dentistry that the general public has. That's right. And, you know, I actually have a great story about the general public's perception of dentistry. Um, You remember the show Family Feud? 
Of course. You know that way back when Richard Dawson was the host, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, the question came up. The survey question was, what do you fear most in your life? Yeah. All right. Now, I, I could make you guess what the number one answer was, but it wasn't going to the dentist. Wow. It was, it was going to hell. <laughs> okay. That was number one. Yeah. Going to the dentist was number two. Wow. Wait, guess what number three was? Uh, I don't know. Going to prison. Really? Yes. So the dentist came between hell and prison. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. The scariest things in the world. So that's, if you want, I mean, family feud, there's no better source, right? For a survey. Survey yeah. says, there it is. That's how America perceives the dentist. Right. So, yeah. So we are changing that. Seven million in so far. Right. Wow. We're, we're changing that perception. Interesting. So if you could wave a magic wand over dentistry, looking out over the next few years, what one or two things would you change about dentistry? Wow. What one or two things would I change about dentistry? Well, of course, the, the first one is I'd make sure that I'd, every dentist would have a Solea. I would hope right? that'd be number one on your list. That's why I asked for two. But good. Okay. That's a good one. I agree. Well, of course, the second one is I wish they'd buy them from Benko. <laughs> well, thank you for that plug. Anything else on your list? Uh, you know, I, I do think that um, dentistry is a little uh, slow when it comes to adopting innovations. I mean, that's been my experience. Dentists tend to be cautious. I mean, dentists are blessed with good incomes. It's a, I would, I would, if my child wanted to be a dentist, I would encourage her to do so. Um, it's, it pays well. And, um, you know, there isn't a lot of pressure to take on new things, whether it's lasers or anything else. That's what I've noticed. So it's a little, you know, I think dentistry would be better off as an industry if, if they could adopt, uh, new innovations, whether it's lasers or other things a little quicker. Um, you know, I think I think that would be it. And of course, that comes from my perspective, because what I'm an innovator in dentistry. So, of course, that's that's where I think I would apply the magic wand. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you think, think we'll get to a day where every dentist will have a laser like a Soleil in their practice? I have no doubt. Really? I, 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 I have no doubt. And I can tell you why I, I can make that statement with you know such confidence. Um, our average dentist who's active with the laser, new, their new patient flow doubles. Really? That's, that is a mathematical fact. Wow. Absolute mathematical fact. And it doesn't take much, right? The average dentist gets about 20 new patients a month and, by the way, loses about 15. So they're netting five. Right. Our, our, our dentists average about 40 new patients really? a month. And when patients are treated with the laser, the attrition rate is, is about 1% or 2%. We've measured this. So what that means is sooner or later you're going to have a laser or you're not going to have patients, right? Whether it's ours or, you know, it's, it's actually just not the laser. It's working without the drill and the needle that clearly moves patients. Um, if you're still using a drill and a needle, I don't know. I mean, like I said about my wish there with the magic wand, it may be 20 years from now. Uh, I don't think you'll be seeing many patients. I mean, there are pa- dentists who still use film, right? <laughs> don't even yeah. use digital x-ray. So it won't be forever, but, I, I do, you know, the math says that if 10% of the dentists in any given market experience a doubling of new patient flow, given what we know about attrition rate for everybody else, 
uh, the remaining 90% start to shrink very quickly. Their patient, really? patient yes, absolutely. Um, the data is very, it's, it's, it's available, it's proven. So um, I do think based just on mo patient movement that we've seen across all of our dentists, uh, that it's inevitable that every dentist will have a method for treating cavities without a drill and without a needle, um, whether it's our laser or somebody comes up with a better idea, that will happen. So Mike, let's talk a little bit about influence. And one of the ways you're a big influencer is you have been very successful as an entrepreneur in dentistry, and it's not easy to do that. Talk a little bit about what you've learned along the way and what advice you'd have for future entrepreneurs in dentistry. Maybe talk a little bit about what you would have done differently. All right. Yeah. And it's a great place to start. So, you know, my advice to entrepreneurs in dentistry is two big things, right? It's, it's be aggressive, right? Be aggressive, especially in the marketing side, right? So, so an example is, uh, as you know, early on, we did a little experiment with direct to consumer uh, in, in uh, with Solea. And we, it was a good experiment. We, we got a lot of uh, positive results in terms of patient response, but there is particular things we could have done better. Um, and I, I actually wish I pushed that harder, put more money into it, took it to the next level, um, which we're, we're which we're doing now. But uh, I, I actually believe had we uh, put more into direct cons consumer and and understood a little bit more, we could have been uh, maybe even significantly more successful than we are today. I mean, when I talk about this this idea that you know, our patients, our dentist new patient flow doubles, right? Um, we could have accelerated that in a certain way uh, and been very successful at it by getting a little off the traditional path of direct to consumer for medical. So I can't give away too many secrets here. So, I, sure. but, but had we kept going, uh, I think it would have changed the trajectory of the company, quite frankly. Wow. Um, yep. And the trajectory has been great, but it could have been even more. So, okay. but then again, you know, we're, we're always, I could look back and tell you a lot of things we could have done differently, done better, because as you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course. Um, yeah, so that's one. And then the other one is, as I mentioned earlier, uh, dentists are slow to adopt new technology. You can't change them. You, you can't change them. Jeffrey Moore wrote a book a long time ago called Crossing the Chasm, which is one of my Bibles. Yeah. Um, I had somebody in my marketing department call me a dinosaur because I was referring to a book that was written in the 1980s, right? <laughs> but but this book is absolutely a Bible. It talks about, the, you know, the innovators, early adopters, mainstream buyers. Everybody talks about these innovators, early adopters. Nobody really knows what they are, but they're categories of people, whether they're dentists or anything else. Um, and, and it really is talking about their risk profile and their willingness to adopt new technology specifically. So dentistry is uh, loaded with what we call mainstreamers and laggards. And you, you cannot change that. So you have to bake into your plan that dentists are conservative about innovations and you can't move them faster. Now, you, you may be able to, you know, make tweaks. I say moving faster. You can't change who they are. So you might be able to move faster through the curve, um, but you need to bake into your plan how you market, how you innovate, that these are the people you're dealing with, right? And and that's that's what I would, you know, the big advice is, right? Be more aggressive specifically in the marketing side. Take into account that dentists are conservative and and bake that into your plan. And it's interesting. I want to go back to what you talked about a few minutes ago about 
uh, how as a rower, you learn to really have, you know, a little stick to itiveness, right? right. I, I, I believe that a lesser person than you might have given up along the way. I mean, you've been at this thing almost 10 years, and now you're at about 1300 installed in the United States. Now you're finally seeing that curve start to tip, you know, that tipping point. Um, maybe other people would give up along the way. Well, sure they would. I mean, by the way, <laughs> I don't know if I can call that a lesser person. I, let's, do, <laughs> let's, let's say a different person. Okay. Agreed. So one of the things, I mean, you talk about rowing. So I used to make this joke, uh, tell this joke to this friend of mine that I went to college with who eventually became a psychiatrist. And I would tell her, I'd say, listen, if you want to find your ideal patients, I want you to go to the Crash B Sprints, which is this event where all these rowers come together and they compete on indoor rowing machines in the middle of winter. And they do this ridiculously painful race on the rowing machine. I said, go to this thing, find the top five people. They're, they're all crazy. They're missing something. They don't know when to stop. Right. right? So, you know, but, you know, I joke about it, but it is, I, I, I do tell people you're missing that something in your head that tells you when to quit. Um, so that's the way I think about it in terms of the stick to It's just this insane, almost um, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at the signs. I'm not going to listen to the signals. People tell me like a guy on a dock at a yacht club tells me you're crazy. This is never going to work. You don't listen. <laughs> don't listen to me. Don't I don't know. I agree. I'm glad you didn't listen to me. And look where you are today. That's hugely yeah. exciting. Yeah, hugely yeah. exciting. Looking out over the next few years, what do you see in the future for Solea? Boy, um, you know, first of all, I do think um, we are hitting that tipping point. We're already starting to see a dentist buy a Solea because they have no choice, that they're losing too many patients to other dentists. So as that, the more we sell, the more that becomes a thing, as the kids like to say, it's a thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll see accelerated sales. Uh, it'll the, the, the rate of acceleration will increase over the next five years. There's no question about that. Um, you will see more and more procedures that we'll put within reach of general dentists. Um, I, I can, as you know, I've mentioned before the snoring application, which is unbelievably innovative, simple to do. I mean, a hygienist could do it, right? So uh, that has is turned out to be a big hit. Uh, we've had a perio application that's been okay, but there's a big innovation coming out with that. That's also, uh, you'll see us move more and more into the perio world. Uh, endo is another one. Cavity prevention, you'll, you'll, you'll see, in fact, the, the roots, you know, people listening to this probably don't know that the the actual uh, genesis of this product was uh, uh, the, was based on cavity prevention, not treatment. Right. Um, there's a lot of research, 30 years of research that talks about how our wavelength of 9.3 microns can change the structure of hydroxyapatite to make it significantly more resistant to cavities. Wow. And we've been through all the in vitro and in vivo studies. We're actually in the approval process with the FDA right now. And you will see uh, teeth being treated with a laser wow. to prevent cavities. It's actually six times more effective than fluoride. Really? 600%, six times. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, so um, you will see uh, even more. So, the, But you'll just see us move you know, through this curve of dental procedures. Light light is an amazing thing. I mean, I hear about in sports now, people are, are using 
um, ultraviolet, no, infrared light, I'm sorry, to uh, reduce recovery time for athletes. Um, You'll see it. And and that's part of the same effect that, 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 you know, our analgesic effect when cutting teeth without anesthesia. But um, we'll just continue to work our way, like I say, through, you know, whether it's snoring, uh, desensitizing teeth, endo, perio, cavity prevention. We'll be rolling those out uh, over the next several years. And it'll just be a, you know, it'll just be a a go-to tool um, for more and more things for general dentists. Yeah. Exciting. Well, Mike, thank you very much for spending the time today. I just want to go back a second and say we started by talking about influence we talked about the influences that were important to you. And then we talked about two or three ways that you and your organization have been very influential on dentistry. Influential in the way dentists practice, the way patients perceive going to the dentist and their experience there. And even to the point where changing the perception of dentistry in the general public. So it's very exciting. And then finally talked a little bit about how you and your organization are influencing possibly the next generation of entrepreneurs in dentistry. So that's a lot of influence for one guy. Lucky, lot of influence. Have, lucky you have a lot broad shoulders. So you're up for the task. Up for the task. I'll just try to stay in shape so I can keep up with it. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Mike Cataldo, thank you very much for being with us today. Very much appreciate it. Good luck in the future with the f- future of Solea. And thank you for everything you do for dentistry. Chuck, thank you for the honor and recognition that, that came with this. And uh, thank you for being the, the first first distribution partner to jump on with us and uh, with this leap of faith and help us make this happen. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks, Mike. All right. See you, Chuck. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening in. Don't want to miss an episode of the Driving Dentistry Forward podcast? Subscribe today on your favorite podcast app.